Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast is about strategies to think positively every day. We will cover relationships, positive energy, the power of attraction, and how to mindfully experience each day so that you can become your best self. I'm here today with Stacy Justice, and she's a professional intuitive and energy healer. She's trained in Reiki and pranic healing, therapeutic imagery, past life regression, and emotional freedom technique. And we've had her as a guest before because she really is well-loved and imparts a lot of great wisdom for people around the world. She's on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast, and I just love our time each week to learn how we can really manage these voices in our head. So thanks, Stacy, for coming back to join us on my podcast. We loved what you had to say, and we wanted to learn more about those voices in your head. So mm -hmm. I think that that's the biggest struggle I see with young women and men today is what voice to listen to and how you really determine what's really happening. And if you could tell us a little bit about your experiences with that. So first of all, the voices in our head are gonna be there. I think one of the things that I notice in working with people is that they want those voices to go away. And I can basically, with 99% accuracy, tell you that they probably won't. And the voices that we want to get rid of are those loud, mean, judgmental voices, right? Right. The mechanism of that voice is actually for protection. It's sort of the monkey mind, people will call it. There are those voices that are there that are very critical in order to keep us safe. So anytime we want to do something different than what we're programmed to do, what we know is comfortable in our little sphere of reality, that voice will come in and go, no, you can't do that. Right. Let's use that as an example. I want to do something different than I've ever done. I want to achieve and experience something that I haven't done before. That's out of my realm of what I was programmed to believe I can do. Then here comes the voice. Well, who do you think you are? You know, I'll share with you I've always wanted to be a singer. That was what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I love my mother and bless her heart. But when I said, I want to be a singer, and this was like, I wanted to be like Mariah Carey. This was back in the days. <laughs> she said, well, I don't think you have what it takes. Okay, now that was a protection voice that came in. She was there to protect me. Right, she didn't want and you I, to be hurt by the rejection. Yeah, the rejection and how much work it takes. And maybe she was saying something about my work ethic. In hindsight, I can look back and go, oh, I get what she was saying. But in the moment, it was like, my mom doesn't believe in me. But that voice, that informed me of myself, too. Maybe she's right, right? Because I believe my mom. And again, I'm, I'm not disparaging my mother. She was doing the best that she could, and her goal was to keep me safe. So can I actually look at the relationship to that voice and go, oh, I see why that you're here. And I hear you, and I'm going to do it anyway. And then that voice is there too. Oh, I hear that voice, that other voice in my head. And this new voice is coming in, which we'll call it a higher vibrationary voice. Mm -hmm. My higher self coming in and saying, but Stacey, you know, that's not true. We're having conversations in our head, right? Right. And what happens with younger people, with parents who don't have the awareness and they're coming from their fear. So if you've got the parents' voices in their head are informing the voices in the child's head. Right, right, right. If the parent has a voice in their head and that, that's the loudest voice is fear and, and they don't have the awareness to go, oh, that's my fear voice coming in to keep me safe and to keep them safe. Right. And I have an awareness and that voice that even though it sounds mean and harsh is a safety mechanism. So I'm going to actually create and give my child through my external speaking voice something that that can plant into their head that's a little bit more nurturing because it is true the first voice is the voice of spirit right mm -hmm. and then the second voice is your parents basically right, and that's right simplification so if the parents understand that can they come from a space of awareness to say okay obviously i want you to be safe 
and I love that you have a sense of adventure. And so I'm going to help to provide you the best path so that you can get what you want. And so let's use the example of I want to get into an Ivy League school. The first question I would ask the kid is like, do you really want to get into the Ivy League school? Yes. Or do, do you know what parents you... want you? Exactly. <clears throat> well, even some and... children think that uh, all my peers want that. So I need to focus on that. That's what I'm supposed to want. Because right. that's what I see everyone else is telling me I'm supposed to want. Right. Right. And then that's when the inner conflict comes in because you have that voice that's telling you that's what you should want. And then you have your actually true, authentic, internal, higher self voice that's saying, well, no, I actually want this. So then you have internal conflict going on because you're not following your own internal voice. You're following that. And they're all internal. So it's a weird, you can kind of get into the weeds of like, well, which voice is which voice? Like it can be a little bit tricky your intuitive voice is the voice that that is telling you to do this in spite of of, of what the world is saying it's the one that's the most crazy like right I, what, what, who do i think i am yeah like go me doing it. the spiritual work yeah and it was relentless and same thing with youth you think about that voice that kept telling you you need to do a podcast right right and, and even when comes- i when i started writing books i i, I could literally wallpaper my room with rejection letters and yet I just kept going and kept going and that voice kept saying oh that's a great story Mm -hmm. keep writing so I didn't listen to the publishers because there were there were other voices that came in that said oh who do you think you are right right you did have them right absolutely it wasn't like you got the pass right you had to keep saying okay what's the truth and what I love about that voice that tells us that's the creative voice, right? That mm-hmm. to me is the, which creativity is also intuition. It's a more divinely feminine voice. We'll call it that. Mm-hmm. It's it, in that creative voice. It will be relentless. You know, it's that voice. that's like, no, no stop listening. It, it'll tell you. So that's one thing I think is important too. Is the voice that's critical and self-deprecating and mean and judgmental is it more relentless than the voice that says, I have to create this, right? So which voice is going to win, we'll say. So if I recognize that the voice that's critical and that's judgmental is really just a mechanism of distorted safety, then that voice will become quiet because I understand where I can put it. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate that part of me that says, oh, I don't know, can you do that? Or even the part that stresses out if we use that idea of like, I've got to get this on my SAT. So so if I recognize that's a voice that's also driving me to take action, then I can go, oh, well, you know, take a couple of deep breaths in, slow that voice and say, oh, I see what it's doing. It's actually motivating me to get shit done. Right. And then I have a different relationship and a different association to the voice. Because it's not going to go anywhere, really. It just gets quieter. Well, I see a lot of young women, especially with body image, they're always focused, like, I'm fat, I'm fat. And I always think that that's just attracting weight. Yeah, yeah, it's what you focus on expands. Right. The more you focus on it, the more you just make the problem bigger. And my question to the person who says that is like, who decided that you were fat? Who made that decision? Right. And what is it based on? It's so unfair to us women as a collective to say that we have to fit into some sort of category. And also it's a moving target. Think about like in the late 60s, early 70s and Twiggy came in, right? Super, super skinny, skinny. And then now it's like, okay, well, your butt's not big enough and you have dents in your butt. You better, you know, you better inject something into your butt because you have those dents. And I was like, <laughs> they really talk about having a dent in your butt? Like, really? Like, no, it's crazy. That, that, that's a that human form that, that we, that a voice in my head would tell me that my human body doesn't meet a standard and so then I'm going to label myself as fat. I mean, fat is relative. Are you talking about six, my 600-pound life? Right. Are right. you talking about 10 or 15 pounds? And usually the woman that's like, I'm so fat, is 10 or 15 pounds overweight. And she's upset with herself 
because she's not meeting a standard. What I want to ask too in that moment is that voice that's in your head telling you that if you lose this amount of weight, then something's going to happen that couldn't happen now. Right. You can be happy now. You have to be happy now. There is only now. Right. (laughs) So if you're chasing, you're going to be really disappointed. Well, if I lose 10 pounds, then the love of my life is going to come in. Right. I'm not attracting the love of my life because I have this certain. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the love of your life doesn't care about 15 pounds. Doesn't even think about 15 pounds. Or you don't want him in your life. (laughs) If exactly. And uh, you know, and and we could like, this could be a whole nother conversation, but I feel that men don't care. Women are the ones, we put this on each other. Right. There's all these voices in our head. There's a couple of different ways that I look at it. So they talk about the number 12. There's 12 signs in the Zodiac. There's 12 houses in the Zodiac. In, in astrology, they say each planet is actually basically one of the voices in our head. So I recognize that I have all of them. And then I can appreciate all of them. So I have the one that doesn't want to get up in the morning. I have the one that's afraid. I have the one that's really, really sweet and kind and nurturing. You can start to think about all the voices that come through. What I can do is align with them and and give them a place. So I have a place for that part that's really self-critical. I recognize she's coming in to keep me safe. So what will happen is we'll have the voice in our head that says, oh, my God, you're such an idiot. Or, oh, my God, you're so fat. And then there'll be another voice that goes, well, that's not really true. You're not really fat, Stacey. Give yourself a break. You're so you're self-judgmental, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's another judgmental voice. Right. Right. So then I'm judging my self-judgment. <laughs> right? It's a vicious cycle. <gasps> right. So can I bring in my higher self, my self that knows? which is connected to the all that is. And how do we get to where that, and it's, she's more, a lot quieter than how, those yes. voices. How do we do that? Well, first of all, I have to recognize that she's valuable. I'm getting an emotional hit around that. Like I want to cry around that because I love her so much that she loves me so much. And even the part that's self-critical loves me so much that she's just trying to keep me safe in a distorted way. Because you see, I'm doing it right now. I'm allowing for all of the aspects, and I'm realizing the truth about them. And practicing meditation is a really great way to, it's the still small voice, they call it, right? Mm -hmm. It's still and it's small. And so in order for me to tap into that, we do meditation, we do yoga, and we need to get to know what it sounds like, right? We need to get to know, because it's not one that we really are wired to or have been practiced into listening to. There's no fear in it. It's all love. Because a lot of the voices are fear-based. And I know that it's the stillness, to me, what that means is love. It doesn't get knocked around by the part that's afraid. Right. Good point. The stillness is love. Like just to be able to sit in that stillness and honor that. I love that. And then the more that you do that, the more that you practice it, the more you know what it feels like and the more you know how to elicit that, right? Because a lot of times what's happening, and especially with younger people and in the developmental stages, they say your brain's not fully developed until you're about 25 or 26. So you have these young people that are having to decide what they're going to be, what they're going to do for their entire life. They have this pressure and those voices that they're hearing, these pressurized voices, are really, really loud because the, they're not fully developed in their knowing. Like, I can sit here at, in my early 50s because I know what that voice is because we've talked a lot. Right. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> we've been, been through hell. And- <laughs> exactly. And I know what not to do. And so I get to impart this knowledge through my practice to say to the people that are, are new into this journey that those critical voices are going to be loud and that's okay. But that, that doesn't mean that that still small voice isn't there. It just means I haven't learned how to taste it yet. It's so interesting because when I do these, when I start to tap into spirit, they show me things. And just now they showed me the food analogies have been coming up a lot lately. They showed me spices Think about a chef who has a great palate and they can taste the food and they can taste the the thyme and the turmeric because they've practiced their palate, right? They've they've 
they've honed that. It's the same kind of analogy of I have to practice because it's a subtle spice, a still small voice. Right. Can right? you really this, taste it? I see. Exactly. And then once I get a taste of it, then I can go, oh, there it is. Right. So, so you have so to we, practice being able to, to identify that empress yes. in your life. Exactly. We've got to go into that meditation. Usually, meditation is basically the key to everything because it's allowing for the stillness. What happens when you're sitting in meditation, especially at first, is you're not hearing any voice but the, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this right now. Well, I can't sit through meditation. Well, why am I doing this? Well, I don't even understand. I need to do this. I got to do that right there. Those other voices come in first, right? Right. And so then you come back to the breath right? That's a form of meditation. You come back to the breath and then you just keep coming back to the breath and we just become aware and we observe the voices. If the voices don't go away because you're in meditation, you just observe them and then they become quieter so that that still small voice can be heard. That's the whole purpose for meditation. Right. Absolutely. And a lot of people think it's a waste of time or they don't really yeah, get they the do. point. And they don't realize that it's so critical for our mental health and, and being able to identify that small voice. It's a little bit harder to hear. And it really is something that is really kind. And sometimes we don't identify the kindness and what makes us feel good. We are always looking for the problem. Or Yes. And if you think about that from a collective the, the media and the, the messages that were being served from the general collective right. is that voice. They were not taught to, to listen to our intuition. It's actually the opposite because then we wouldn't buy stuff, basically. What I always ask myself, am I interested in this? Am I interested in listening to that voice that's an asshole? Am I interested <laughs> or am I more interested in honing this? Because people will say, I don't want to meditate. Well, okay, that's okay. What are you interested in, though? Are you interested in, in continuing to have that anxious voice be a really big part of your life? Or are you interested in something different? And where my interest lies is where my focus goes. If I'm interested in, in understanding why I'm carrying extra weight, I'm not going to focus on the extra weight that I'm carrying. I'm going to focus on what it is in me that's providing me the opportunity to change my relationship to myself. Mm -hmm. So let's use that. I'm, I'm a bigger girl. So I know that feeling of like, my best friend is like skinny. I've known her since she was 16. <laughs> She's always been skinny. I've always been fat. And I'm not, no, I'm you're like not a normal person. <laughs> but am I interested though in knowing that that's not true? Am I interested in, in keeping that narrative alive? Or am I interested in looking at myself from a perspective of, oh, this is my physical manifestation and I've only got one. This is it. What am I, is my relationship going to be to myself instead of my relationship to my comparison of what another person looks like? Mm -hmm. That Are you interested in what your, the still small voice has to say? Are you interested in the spirit realm? Are you interested in, in taking yourself to a next level of experience that's beyond what you were taught to believe? You know? Right. And right. then that's going to also inform which voice you're listening to. Or which voice gets the most credence. On some level, we're going to listen to that voice. We're going to hear it. We can't really ignore it. I don't advise ignoring the voices out of the head. I advise going, oh, there she is. Well, that's the part that wants to keep me safe. Right. Like recognize you know? it. And then value it. Ah. Oh. You know, there's, that, there's some book a long, long time ago about fear being your friend. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps us safe. You know, so I'll share with you a story. Tarot cards are how I started this. So I'll go to, down to Hollywood and do tarot card readings. I've done like 20 readings and everyone loves me. And it's always really great feedback. Always. Right. And I'm not saying that from an ego standpoint. That's my, my experience. And inevitably, before I go, I'm getting ready. And I'm like, what if spirit doesn't show up? What if they don't like me? What if I don't know what to say? What if, you know. Do you and really? Yes. Every well, time. see, that's amazing because you are so connected to source and I feel like you're so confident. It's interesting. 
that thank you and i appreciate you thank you for acknowledging that isn't it interesting because your perception of me totally is completely different. not that right so but what i do is go ah, there she is <laughs> she's the one that wants me to stay home and stay safe right see and then i can bring her with me there's a do you remember valerie harper no she was on mary tyler moore and oh she had cancer and she passed away. I got to see her live one time. The interviewer asked her, do you still get afraid like before you go to performance? She said, do you know? Yeah, I do. And she said, you know what I do? I put fear in my purse and I bring her with me. <laughs> and I let her inform me, right? That voice in my head informs me about how I'm going to show up as the character, right? right. How I'm going to show up. One thing too, for me, that voice that I have, it's, that it's so interesting. I'm getting emotional makes me so much more compassionate to my clients that are afraid. Right. Because I know that voice. I understand her. Right. And then I can tell the beautiful people that I talk to, recognize right. why she's there. And uh, then she becomes integrated. You see? Right. Now, I used to be when, deathly afraid of speaking in public. And mm -hmm. the first thing I did was take a public speaking course at, at Vanderbilt, but I was so scared to take the course. And I remember I would just bring my notes. I could read every single word and I would stand up there and read verbatim. And I'm sure it was like a very boring speech, but then I came to next time I had to give a speech, I showed up and the professor said, Mary Kay, come here. Let me, let me just talk to you for a minute. And I went up there so fearful, like, what are you going to do? And he said, do you have notes for this speech? And I said, yes, right here. And he said, let me have them. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't read any of them. And of course, I was so afraid I'd memorize anything anyway. And I did my best speech yet. Just like being able to take away that fear and that crutch was so helpful. What that instructor did was give you permission to step beyond what you thought was going to happen. Because if you look at the mechanism of that voice of fear, if you, we talk about it logically, you're not going to die. If you get up there and you screw up, right? Like who cares? You know, it's a thought that triggers the response of the feeling of fear, right? Mm -hmm. That feeling of fear, again, is really wired in the animal of us. We negate our animal. We forget we're animals. And the first thing that the animal does is, am I safe? Do I have food? Am I going to die? Am I going to procreate? Those things are first. Mm-hmm. So the fear is going to come first. If you're listening to this and you can align with the idea, fear comes first because it's there to keep me safe, then I don't have to buy off on it, right? Because that part of you that bought off on the idea that I have to get up here and read this and memorize it, she bought off on the idea that if I didn't do that, I wasn't going to be safe. Right. And your instructor gave you permission to step beyond that and realize, oh, I didn't die. Right. <laughs> that's literally what's going on. And we want to not know it's not that. No, that's really what it is. That was the best thing that it, ever happened. And then you went, oh, and then it, it informed your next experience. Right. Right. It, it allowed you as you stepped out of that comfort zone. And it's so interesting, too, because people will come into your life to, to push you beyond that fear voice, because if that instructor hadn't done that for you, you would have still probably been reading notes. Totally. And then when I went and got a job. I actually volunteered to run this internship program because I thought, oh, these kids are younger than me. I can handle this. And it was this huge hit at the company and the owner of the magazine came up to me one day and he was like, what do you say in those internship groups? <laughs> and it turned out his daughter was in it. So anyway, the, the feedback was so great. And that gave me a little bit more confidence and mm -hmm. all, all these incidents, but I, I do try to throw myself in scary situations just to conquer that fear. Which is beautiful. That See, that right there, that's the difference mm -hmm. between the person who stays the same and never changes and the person who goes on the adventure of life. Right. Well, that professor launched me that, mm -hmm. that way. Uh, and I want to give you something too. You also were able to receive that because you could have flipped the script and been like, ah, going to do this again he ruined my life <laughs> you allowed for it to inform you in the way that you wanted it to inform you also that's what i want to give people what is your relationship to it my relationship 
to that one voice in my head that's really fearful is, oh, she's my ally. My relationship to the voice in my head that tells me to get up and exercise. Oh, she knows that when I don't exercise that I feel like crap. I understand why they're coming in. Mm -hmm. So I have a relationship to them. So to me, that's the still small voice is the part that recognizes the part of me that's not really me. That fear is not me. It's just an aspect of me, but it's not me. No, it's a and voice then, that thinks they're protecting you. Yes. And then I can be the observer. They always talk about being the observer. Well, mm -hmm. that's actually what we're doing right now is observing. Right. We're being the observer of how, as humans, we operate. And what's so cool about it is that we're having this discussion. And the people that are listening to this are going to go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm observing myself having this observation. You know what I mean? It's hard to conceptualize because it's, it is sort of beyond our grasp. But introducing in, in, the concept is the first step to yes. becoming aware of what's happening in our brains that is making us so anxious and making us doubt ourselves. And it's really important to be able to step aside like bird's eye view. As I'm talking to you, all these birds are sitting on the ledge watching me. Yes, <laughs> But exactly. you know, so that's what made me think of the bird's eye view, yes. just looking at this voice that can be a little crazy and recognizing who do I want to listen to? Yes. It doesn't have control of me now. So let's talk about the mechanism of it. So you have your first initial thought, which is the voice, mm -hmm. and then you either believe it or you don't. So if you believe it, then you start to build a momentum. I'm not good enough. I'm too fat. Oh my God, what's going to happen? I'm never going to have a baby. I'm never going to do this. It's never going to happen. Like, Ooh, there we go. Right. Mm -hmm. So runaway train, <laughs> runaway train. So that's because that's an, un I'll call that an untrained mind. So the untrained mind feels like we're losing control. What really is going on is it's just building upon itself to try to find more reasons, right? The only way that you can stop that voice and train the mind to listen to that higher voice or the smaller voice, or you can call it whatever you want. You can feel though it's different. It's nurturing. It knows. It kind of just knows, right? That voice. In order for me to get to that space where I can actually hear her, I have to train my mind. I have to. If you think about it, <clears throat> Your unaware mind has been trained, but it's been trained in that spin, right? So you've trained your mind to spin out. That, I'm not yeah. in control. I'm not in control. Well, you actually are. You've just been brainwashed. And usually that spin, we didn't do that. It was usually our parents because it starts there. And so we around. have to reprogram, right? I'm not going to say, well, that's just the voice in my head and I'm just going to have to live with it and I'm just going to go on pills and I'm just going to be anxious for the rest of my life. Right. Okay. Well, that's a choice that you're making. They say awareness builds consciousness. Once it's revealed, it's two thirds healed. So once you have the awareness, you no longer want to listen to that voice. You're halfway there. Because that's what people will do is like, oh, I can never change. And this voice is too loud. I'm so full of anxiety. And it's like, well, hold on. You're, what are you proclaiming about yourself? First of all, don't proclaim that. Right. Back up and go, oh, I see uh, my relationship that that voice is, ah, she's there to keep me safe. And I'm going to work with her. And I'm not going to judge her. And I'm going to love her. And I'm going to practice opportunities to create a new skill set of being able to hear the still small voice. How do I do that? Practice meditation. And it doesn't have to be sitting for 15 minutes. You can do anything. You can do a walking meditation. You can do anything that brings you into a mindful sense. If you love to cook and when you're cooking, you're in the moment, that's a form of meditation. Anything can be meditation. They talk about pottery is a tea. great one. Yes. Yeah. Sipping tea. You hold the cup. It's Absolutely. warm. Anything that brings you a bath. mindfulness. Right. Yes. But don't take a bath and then sit there and think about what you're going to do next. Right. Take a bath and be in the moment. Feel the water. Say things that you're grateful for. Because this is one of the things in our society. They call it destination anxiety. Mm -hmm. When I get here, then I'll, then be, I'll happy. be happy. Right. It's happening in the now, in the now moment. So how do I get to in the now moment? Sometimes it's listening to music. One of the things that I do is I talk about doubt, the anxiety voice, the fear voice for me, because I live alone and I'm an entrepreneur and I do, you know, I'm self-sustaining and all these things. Blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I, when I'm by myself late at night, 
And that voice comes in, are you going to be able to pay the bills? Much work as I've done on myself. And I understand prosperity consciousness on such a rational level. And I practice it. She still comes in because she wants me to be safe. She doesn't want me to be homeless. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they right. say actually the, the biggest fear of women is that they'll be destitute and homeless. Is so that true? You, yeah. Because it's the cave woman. That's interesting. Think about it. The cave woman is also dependent on the cave man. So mm-hmm. we're wired in our DNA from eons and eons to be dependent on this collaboration that we have with caveman. In our society now, I can make my own money. But we're still wired as human animal. And that's old DNA. Right. So it's a mechanism of human animal. So then again, what I do when she comes up, cavewoman comes up, I douse her. I love mantra for this reason affirmation and mantra. I know because I've studied this that I want to create new neural pathways, right? Again, the voice is the default because of a human animal. Then it gets reinforced through programming, right? Which can be parents and society and all those things that we talk about. Mm-hmm. When that reinforcement happens, it, that, that wiring in my brain is really, really strong, right? It's a strong wire. So it goes boop, boop, boop. It makes an association. My first thought is I'm going to die alone and impoverished because it's been brainwashed into me. It makes a really quick association because it's done it so many times before, right? So no, it's really want, hard to break those patterns in the brain, but yeah. you can do it. It's just well, and so take- so that's why mantra works because. And I want to re- relinquish the idea that it's really hard. It is a okay. challenge, but see, there's a belief that you have about it. Do you get what I, right. you see what I just did? Yes. I want to bust that belief because is it really hard? Or I mean, yes, it's as a mechanism of just momentum and building. It is. A ch- it's definitely challenging, and that's why people don't change. So what I do is I just douse that voice. So I love the mantra, I am loving awareness. It's from Das. One of, he's one of my favorites. He's so cool. I do too. I am, and be here now, right? That, he wrote a whole book about being here now, what we just talked about. So mm-hmm. I am loving awareness. Another thing is the universe has my back. Everything is always working out for me. One of them is success follows me wherever I go. I'm in divine right timing. And I will literally, I'm loving awareness. 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 As that voice is going, you're not going to be able to build your bills. I'm a loving awareness. I douse it. I, I, I flood the old voice with the truth. Because a lot of times, unfortunately, that fear voice is a liar. No, it is. That's the challenge. It's not residing in the truth. I, I also ask myself, is that true? What's the truth, Stacy? Well, right now, everything's taken care of. I have food in the fridge, I have a car, I have my dog, I have a beautiful place to live. So that's not true. You know what I mean? And I don't want to go, well, that's not true, Stacey. I don't want to bring in that voice. I want to bring in the voice that's nurturing, that says, that loves me, that says, sweetheart, that's not true. Right. You are loving awareness, you know? So we want to watch the voice that responds to the voice also. (laughs) No, and I love that. Success <laughs> follows me wherever I go. That's a great mm-hmm. mantra. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, do you believe that? And then you can look at the evidence. Because again, the evidence of the fear voice is usually, it's not self-evident. Like that idea, let's use the example of you having to use your notes, because if I don't use my notes, then I'm going to fail. That wasn't even true. No. So you were telling yourself a lie. Right. Right. And after that second speech, people started asking me for advice, which I thought was the funniest thing ever. Isn't that? Again, the perception is like, oh, wow. So then now you know the truth of who you are. Oh, and then once I build the momentum of the truth of who I am, then those other voices are a lot more easy to manage because it's really about management. It Mm -hmm. really is. Mm -hmm. They aren't going anywhere. I've been doing this work for, you know, 15, 20 years. And I thought at some point early on, especially when I became a therapist, I was like, oh, I'm going to conquer my fear. I no longer want to feel fear. I hate fear. I don't like fear. And I remember having a meditation and I was like, how am I going to conquer this fear? And I'm going to help my clients conquer fear. And spirit came in and was like, no, fear. This is the, literally what I heard. Stacy, fear is a necessary evil on this planet. Because if you didn't have it, you would walk out in the middle of the road and you would get hit by a car and you wouldn't be here. Right. So that's the truth about 
that voice that's self-critical. Right. Then once I realize that, and it's self-awareness, and that's again why we meditate, because I have to be, self-awareness is a practice. I'm woke. Well, are you? (laughs) You know what I mean? Once you're woke, it never stops. Then you're, then you're at the next level of your wokeness. So I believe that anybody that says they're woke is probably not just because that trend needs to to die. (laughs) It it, it upsets my system about when people trend a word or trend, even Mm self-awareness, even, I mean, even love that word is so watered down. So what is my relationship to it? The, the idea of being woke or being is really self-awareness. So, and once I become aware, then I can make an informed choice that I'm not going back to the default of fear. And I, I think that's when what you become interested in, and when you become more self-aware, I feel like you also take the pressure off of other people. We tend to be more judgmental and critical of other people when we are doing that to ourselves. Oh, for sure. Well, if you want to go super woo woo, <laughs> what I believe to be true is that we are all one, that we are each a, an individualized emanation of the oneness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that's true, then you're me. So right. if I'm being grit- critical of you. I'm actually projecting my own crap onto you. Right. No, I remember someone saying, if you ever have a problem with someone, mm-hmm. look, look at it as, is this trait that she's projecting or, or doing something about yourself that you don't like. And, it's it, a, and it always is. Yes. And it's a really it interesting way of looking at our conversations with people and our problems with different people. Is it something about your own self? And when you do that, it creates a lot more empathy and compassion for yes. other people. Yes. It does. The criticism or the critical projection out is also based on a judgment that I believe that you're not being perfect, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. you should be different than that. They say if you're pointing one finger out, there's three coming back to you. Right. What am I interested in? Am I interested in my self-awareness and my experience or am I interested in criticizing them? How does it feel when you're critical of other people, when you're judgmental of other people? How are you left to feel? Because really, at the end of the day, the only person that you're really being critical to is, it is you. You're the one that has to live with your judgment around them. Mm -hmm. If I'm talking smack about people, you know what I mean? This is deeper work. Can I forgive this person? I can think of people that have betrayed me and it's like, well, that's not me. You know, I mean, I can, mm-hmm. ooh, for me to actually go in and think, see, there's an aspect of me that I'm experiencing back at me to show me myself. Right. And they're showing me the imperfect parts of me. Ooh, that doesn't feel comfortable. Right. But what am I interested in? One of the things that I think is, will really help people is to ask yourself the question, is that true? And what am I interested in? If I'm interested in self-awareness, self-expansion, self-expression, then I'm wasting my energy if I'm focused externally. Right. Right? I only have a certain amount of energy, so where am I going to put that energy? And then you get to decide, am I going to put my energy towards being anxious on something that's happening in the future that hasn't happened yet? I'm not going to get into that school and my whole world is going to be screwed up. What if I come in as a spiritual intuitive and you have a reading with me and I tell you, you not getting into that school, you not having that opportunity was the best thing that could happen for you. When you look back, you're going to be like, oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen. What if that's true? Which it always is. If, spirit, if the universe is working out for my highest good and I'm asking, I want my highest good for my experience. Mm-hmm. And the universe knows a lot more than I do about what's happening. Then I can trust in that knowing, oh, well, this must have happened for a reason. I'm so glad that I didn't go on that date with that guy because I found out later that he was a blah, 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 blah. I'm so glad that I missed that train today because I found out blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Can I be in that space of recognizing that I don't have to listen? I don't have to believe that anxious voice. Because another thing I want to talk about because it's anxiety is anxiety is a perpetual motion of that voice, right? Mm -hmm. So... And anxiety is just fear on repeat. 
And it's so much more prevalent today. I mean, obviously it has to do with social media, but I've just seen epidemic levels for anxiety is I'm seeing it younger and younger. And I feel like teaching meditation younger and younger is that much more critical for this reason. Yes, and to inform the the child of why anxiety is coming up. Another thing that happens, and this isn't so much about the voices in your head, but what I believe about anxiety is that, and I notice this in my own life, is that something will happen very early on that shows up as a trauma mm-hmm. for a child. And it doesn't have to be, a lot of times two people negate their own trauma mm-hmm. because, and that's even a word now that's overused. Right. They negate their experience because, well, I wasn't molested by the blah, 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 and it wasn't this mm-hmm. big thing. But anything that shows up as a glitch for a child, if it's not healed or if the child internalizes it and tells himself a story because children do that and they blame themselves they think everything is their fault children are narcissists because if they don't love me then i'm going to die that's basically the operating system of the child brain Mm -hmm. so i have to get this parent i worship them because i live or die by them and so they i need for them to love me so if something happens that shows up as lack of love then there's a trauma response. And then what I I believe happens is the child actually lives in post-traumatic stress for their entire life. So, and and it's fear response. So it's hypervigilant management. That's all anxiety. Right. And sometimes you're not even aware that something could affect someone so much. I had a family member who went on a play date as a young girl with another little girl and the older brother lured her into his room, locked the door, took all his clothes off, tried to get her clothes off. And it was really, really traumatic what he did. So traumatic that she couldn't even talk about it. And of course, the mother of the boy sort of dismissed the whole thing. Of but, course. But I will say that that family member had a long time of not trusting men. It didn't make sense compared because of her father and her own brother. You don't really think that that could have such an impact if you were able to extract her from the situation, but it did. Absolutely. Well, if you think about that moment of the experience, if we talk about survival, right? Mm -hmm. So at that moment of the experience, her little person went into survival mode. Absolutely. This is really interesting that talking about human animal. Mm -hmm. So the last upgrade of our DNA was speaking, which was only was 40,000 years ago. That's the last upgrade of our DNA. So before that, it was right. And the man (laughs) would drag the woman, right? So when women go, when there's a fight flight response or a fear trigger, the first thing that shuts down is the throat chakra. That's fascinating, isn't it? So then you're not speaking your truth. And then you're internalizing, right? And then you're making it your fault because you're blaming and all these things. And that right there, that moment perpetuates a cycle about what I need to do in order to survive. So she shut down. That's why so many women, you hear about these incidents so much later after the fact. Yep, that's right. It was my fault. Hey, there's a, I I just watched a, a, a documentary last night called Grooming. Oh, oh it's was it heartbreaking. Good? Yes, it's on Discovery Plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's so poignant. It, this beautiful young lady. Oh, it's her story. Mm-hmm. She was on the swim team and there was someone that was older than her. He was like 25. She was 11 and 12. Wow. And he groomed her. And so the mind fuckery, excuse my French, that happens with that as well. Because <laughs> so then we're telling ourselves a story right? Mm -hmm. Well, he was really nice to me. He loved me because he's brainwashing you to believe a certain thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because there's so many layers to it. And believe that man that gives you the flattery and they play the knight in shining armor. You want to believe it. And so often they're players. They're fuckers. (laughs) Yes, they are. If we're insecure and we're needing that back, they're playing off of that voice in our head. You see what I'm saying? If the man intrinsically knows that if he makes the woman feel safe, he can manipulate her. Right. Right. 
he's the voice in her head that's, oh, I'm going to die alone and I'm not going to have my own cave. And especially when it's a little girl, mm-hmm. I want this person to like me. And if no one else is liking me, they're coming back with a new voice mm-hmm. to shush that voice. Right. Right. So then that's why we look for external. Well, if he tells me that he loves me, then that's going to shush the voice in my head that's insecure. Mm-hmm. That's like a black hole That because he can't do that for me, really. I have to do that for myself. But that's why we'll have external because we think, well, the external is going to ch- change that voice in my head, really. We know it's not true, but that's actually how our economy works. If I get that Mercedes, then that voice in my head is going to tell me that I'm actually great and confident. That's why we're buying, you know what I'm saying? Right. You're so important now. <laughs> yes. The voice in the head then waits for the next thing to get the charge. Right. They the, that need voice, that it's, it's, material mm-hmm. charge. Yeah. And it, but it's again, it's never ending. It will never calm that voice. It actually feeds it. Right. Actually. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. To think about. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I remember I have a friend that um, went through a really nasty divorce and he became someone she didn't even recognize. And she was horrified to learn about this other life. And when I said to her, well, come on, you're a really smart woman. There had to have been something when you met him and you just didn't listen to that voice. And I pushed her and she said, it's funny, no one's ever asked me that, but you know what? I actually told him, no, I don't want to go out with you like 10, mm-hmm. 10 to 12 times. And, the, and I go, why was that? And she said, every time a woman walked into the bar, he turned to look at her. He turned to check her out. He kept looking around. He wasn't focused on our conversation. And so mm-hmm. I didn't want to go out with him. And then he said, please just give me one chance. I'll just t- take you to dinner one night. And after that, you don't have to see me ever again. And so she said, yes. And then the rest was history. But she did yes. have that strong voice, was loud and yes. clear. So, And she negated it because his voice came in. And, Trust um, me. Know, yes, and you're beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And another thing that happens too, it's hard sometimes for us to realize, like, why would he do that? Even if you're talking about, like, that grooming. Like, why right. would they groom? Right, good well, point. Why do they? What, well, it's, it's because they want control right? But we come from a space of because we just want to be loved. We don't equal. It's a difference of the way that we associate control. Mm -hmm. If he wants to control me, and then there's also mental illness and all kinds of stuff too. So they're not thinking we, my mom says, you know, the, one of the biggest lessons in my life, and it's still to this day is tough. You know, she's been on the planet for 72 years is that people don't think like I think. I, we think that everyone thinks like we do. We don't think that there's a, you know, they have maniacal thinking or predatory thinking. Right. right? No, you don't want to believe that. Especially no. if you're a good person, you just don't think exactly. that. Exactly. Well, and the good person is actually the prime target for someone like that. So, right. because they're easier to manipulate because they think everybody's good. And that's why we want to watch and trust those voices. I would be interested in, in asking your friend, ultimately, why did you, we'll say, cave to him? And not listen to that voice. Well, he must have been saying something that was really good. He was very charming. You see? Even his best friend didn't think he could ever do what he ended up doing. Yeah. So, you know, he fooled a lot of people. Exactly. So that's another thing, too. No matter what's going on, that still small voice, that one that I want to listen to, is going against everything else. And it's the only thing that really feels the best. It's like, that's the only thing that feels true. Right. I have to trust this. No matter what anybody else is saying, no matter if it's your lover, if it's your mom, it's your dad, it's your partner, it's your friend, if they're telling you something that's against what you feel intrinsically feels the best for you, you can say, I appreciate your feedback and I'm following that voice. And then what, what's really beautiful about that is that then also it builds, then you build, then you truly build that self-empowerment yes, and you're you truly do. in self-confidence and it, and it doesn't wane. It doesn't change with the weather it's always there that voice is always the truth no matter what's going on externally that doesn't change it never ever disappoints me no it doesn't. never and also just being able to lose people not being afraid of losing them knowing that the universe does have your back and has someone even better plan for so, you yes i want to give you some insight into that idea of losing i don't align with that okay why? i say 
that relate and people will go, well, we're not in a relationship. Well, yeah, you are. Any relationship is a relationship. It's how you define the relationship, how you associate with the relationship. Right. So if you're deciding that you no longer want to be in the relationship, you're not losing anything. It's just changing. Like, That's a good instance, point because you do get something out of it. And it's never like they say, once you're a mom, you're always a mom. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you've had something, you can't really lose it. Right. Really. That's, again, the mechanism of what our culture teaches us so that we, we're afraid. So then we buy stuff and then we hoard and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Hoarding is a mechanism of being afraid to lose. Yes. When I release something, mm-hmm. then there's room for something new to come in. So it's not that I'm losing something. It's actually that I'm allowing myself to release. You know, That's important because you won't be able to open up for yes. new great people until you let go. Yeah, the, the art of letting go is fantastic. There's a Michael Bernard Beckwith. He's a big spiritual dude, wrote this book called Spiritual Liberation. And one of the things um, that he says in, in the manifestation process, 100% of it is releasing. So really? I How is that? My, like when you Because s- you can't, in order for me to get what I want, I have to release what I no longer need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's use your example. In order for you to be able to step into that beautiful speaker that you are, you had to relinquish the notes. Right. You literally released those notes. Like that was a physical manifestation of what we're talking about. Exactly. So I, I was myself, gripping them. <laughs> yes. But you gave them up though. You said, okay, I'm going to relinquish this. What do I have to release in order for me to get my desired effect? I have to release that voice in my head. Mm-hmm. I have to release my old association to that voice in my head. If I want a relationship with a loving, kind person, and I'm in a relationship with someone who's not so loving and kind, Can I release the idea that they're going to be loving and kind and that I have to move into another relationship where someone will actually show up for me? Can I release the idea that I'm not deserving? Because if I have manifested someone in my life that is not loving and kind to me, there's somewhere in my system that I believe that I'm not worth being treated as loving and kind. Mm -hmm. Can I release that? You see? So I would invite you to, what am I interested in? Is that true? Mm-hmm. And what do I need to release? Right. And joyfully release. And what I love, there's, there's things that you can do to get in that idea of release. Go through your closet. Take two things out of your closet. I'm going to release these. I haven't mm-hmm. worn these in a year. Release things in small ways. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I, can't let I can't let go of anything. They want to just pile more and more and more and more and more. So, so we want to get that practice of releasing. And even taking a shower and letting the water hit your face. Mm-hmm. Just think about letting the water release all that negative energy or whatever it is you're trying to release. That is a really good visual to do for people. Yeah. And so I'll turn the shower on, get my body wet, turn the shower off and scrub everything. I'm releasing. I'm getting rid of this residual scrub, 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 especially because of the work. Same thing with you, the kind of work that we do is we can take on people. And if you're an empath, if you are emotionally attached to things, this Mm -hmm. is a really great practice too. So I scrub all the way through my body and then I turn the water on and then it all washes off and goes down the drain. There it goes. Bye. That's a great one. Literally like it's create a ritual. And one thing too, with, with things, this is spirit comes through and says, it doesn't have to be so serious. What do you mean? The washing away doesn't have to be so serious. Even the idea of my relationship to that voice in my head. Mm-hmm. What about the funny, silly voice that comes in and goes, ah, you're so silly, Stacey. Can you bring levity to that association that you have with that voice that's a jerk? Laughter ah. is so healing. I couldn't agree more. That's key. I'm a joker, and, so. <laughs> and spirit loves that. Spirit mm-hmm. loves, I mean, that cosmic, you know, comedy, when you, when you think about like some of the signs that you get, something that'll show up and it's hilarious. Remember, joy is the highest vibration. Gratitude, compassion are high vibrations. So that's where, where do I want to reside? It's really easy to reside in anxiety. It's really easy to go, oh, there's that voice. I hate her. I hate me. That's easier because it's perpetuated. And again, because it's human animal, it comes first. So then I choose to come into human spirit and I choose for that voice to be louder. And she shows up as joy. She shows up as nurturing. She shows up as forgiveness. She shows up as what else? What it, like think about for you like what is when you bring in your high vibrationary voice what like how does she show up? Oh, calm, patient, mm-hmm. kind, loving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing too, to think about if you have a hard time, especially if you're a mother or if you love like babies and puppies and things, mm-hmm. we have these sort of tantrums, right? So if I have, if there's a two-year-old <laughs> and she's having a tantrum, how am I talking with her? Am I telling her, you need to shut up? <laughs> oh my God, I hate when you do this, you know? Or are you saying, what is it that you need, honey? Or are you just letting her go? We don't talk to them the way that we talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I used to change the environment when my oldest daughter That's would have fantastic. a she would have a temper tantrum and I would take her to this table and have her paint and she fantastic. she became a great artist. But she used That's to start fantastic. sketching these portraits, self-portraits, and for whatever reason that just totally calmed her down. What I love about what you just told me was that you listened. How did you know that that was what was going to calm her down? I I don't know. Yeah, it was that higher voice, your intuitive knowing. Mm-hmm. Like, and what I love is that you let her inform you what was best for her. If, if you would have sat her down at the table and that wouldn't have worked, you would have tried something else. Right, right. right absolutely. You allowed her to be collaborative in it. But she totally so forgot not, you, why she was having a hissy fit when you yes. brought her to the art table. It was just a little round table, but she could paint and draw. And to this day, that's what calms her down when she can paint. And what you did, too, is you taught her how to self-soothe. Right. That's another thing, too. And it wasn't through food. It was through, actually through creativity. As adults, how am I self-soothing? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I need to turn off everything and go for a walk. You're right. If I am into art, maybe I need to, to paint a little <laughs> bit right now. Maybe I need to get into my creative. What would I do right now to change my state? Or keep a journal because writing down anything that's upsetting just it releases it but it also it creates great opportunity if you want to write a song or you play guitar and maybe you write a song about that experience and help other people or maybe you write a book later on in life it's a good thing to release it on paper yes and that alchemizes it too because they say energy it doesn't really go away it just changes right what's interesting about anxiety and that kind of voice is there's a lot of energy in that Mm-hmm. I, I can mute that energy and mm-hmm. turn it into creativity. Mm-hmm. Can I use the energy for good, like you said? So it's and it, it's all about my association and my relationship to it. Right. Because I know that voice is probably going to come in. So what is my relationship to her? Like you said, what is your relationship to when your daughter threw a tantrum? Well, you could have been like, oh, and you could have blamed yourself. Like there's so many different scenarios mm-hmm. that could have played out, right? So that's another thing to remember. Ooh, what do I want this to be? If I'm in anxiety, then my mom feels sorry for me and then she's going to buy me things. There's this story that I learned, like the woman who has the, the, the headache at five o'clock every day. Well, yes, she has her headache. She gets to go in her room. She doesn't have to deal with the food and the kids and the yelling and the screaming and the picking up after and the cleaning and all that. She's separated herself and now she's in the room. She says, I don't want to have headaches anymore, but she's getting something from having the headache. So another thing to ask yourself is, what am I getting from listening to that crappy voice? Right. How is it serving me? And is there a way that I can be served that's more nurturing? Is there a way that I can be served that allows myself to move through the fear instead of being clenched by it? Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you so much for your wisdom and guidance to help people understand what they can do and little tricks to manage mm. this voice in their heads. It's such a pleasure for me. And it's the work that I do. My prayer for everyone is to have the best experience possible, right? Because mm-hmm. we're here. And so if, if I get to impart these little pearls of wisdom and mm-hmm. that someone says, oh, I'm going to implement that into my life as a mm-hmm. strategy in mm-hmm. order for me to give myself the opportunity to have the best experience, then that's just, ugh, there's, that's the best. That's the best. That's the reason. Well, so and, and that's thank you. You're welcome. And that's why you're so great at what you do, because your love comes through in your energy. And it really shows how much you care about people. And I think that There'll be a lot of good karma coming your way. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I appreciate you saying that. It really warms my heart. I, I mean, I get emotional about it. And it's so funny because when I was younger, I used to be kind of a curmudgeoning, kind of really resistant and uh, woo-woo this. And, uh, uh, uh. 
like just my own worst enemy. And now as I've moved through this process, and that's why I want to say to like people, if you don't think you can do it, you can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Cause I literally, I get so overwhelmed with gratitude and love that mm. I cry about it. And I, so I'm, I always say I'm the person that I used to bug me. You know what I mean? Like I used to be annoyed <laughs> by the person that I am now. And it's cause I realized I knew that that resistance that I had and that being kind of bitchy and all that, that was a form of self protection. Absolutely. And you learn from it. Yes. And so my, again, my prayer is that that there's people that don't have to go through that. And that Mm -hmm. if if you can listen to this and in part, just implement one of the strategies, you'll see a really big shift in your life. Then those shifts inform the next shift also. Mm -hmm. Because once you start to listen to those voices that were quieter and you start to implement that and you build momentum, then there's this next level and then the next level and then the next level. And that's what I'm interested in is how great can I make this experience? Cause I'm here anyway, <laughs> might right. as well, right. might as well experiment with it, you know, and, and see our listeners can learn more about you through your website and it's stacyjustis.com. Mm-hmm. And it's S T A C E Y and it's J U S T I S, which is just is. So right. funny, I named myself that before I even knew what I was doing. I'm like, know. oh, I'm, I'm living up to my own name. <laughs> you really is. I just be in this No, that's a great fully name. present. Thank that's, you. That's funny. Well, thank you, sweetie. Thanks and have welcome, a honey. wonderful week. I really appreciate your time. Please find a comfortable place to relax. Try to be completely still. And if it's hard to be still, go ahead and tense up your body, clench your teeth, squeeze your fists, and then release it all. Start training the body how to relax on command. Slowly notice your brow. Relax your brow. Relax the back of your head, inner and outer ears. Soften your cheeks. Relax your jaw. The neck, throat relaxes. And with each exhale, imagine you are releasing any negative thoughts that may be lingering in your mind. Continue to focus on your breath on each inhale. And you can say to yourself, I am worthy, I am well-loved. On each exhale, I am enough. Let each inhale draw in the self-love, and each exhale release. Take a few minutes to breathe, focusing on this mantra, I am worthy, I am well-loved. I am enough. And if your mind wanders, that's normal. The thoughts want to tell you all the things you have to do. So just notice them, almost like you're just observing like an outsider, and then let them go. It's the nature of the mind to wander. Bring your attention back to the breath. Feel your arms relax down to your fingers. Palm softens. Feel the warmth in your hands, blood circulating throughout your body. Notice how your thoughts come and go, whether positive or negative. Just simply allow them to pass on by. Now, let this love, warmth permeate you from your heart down into your legs, down into your toes. Feel the heat in your feet the warmth from your hands, and allow the sensation of warmth to fill you from your head to your toe. Feel the love filling your body. 
And as the love fills your body, I want you to send that love to a mentor, someone who helped you that really didn't have any reason to, someone who made a difference in your life. And send that love to that mentor. Taking a deep breath in, filling your body. I am worthy. I am well loved. I am enough. Feel a sense of comfort and calm traveling up through your chest into your neck and head. And back out through your shoulders, arms, hands. Then down into your ribs, belly, pelvis, legs, feet. Letting the breath flow up and down through your body like a wave of pure love. Now fill your body with love. And I want you to send that love to someone you love. Anyone, someone that loves you, you love them. And let it go. And when you're ready, take a few more deep, mindful breaths. Long exhale. Breathe in and breathe out. Feeling relaxed, restored, rejuvenated. Now inhale, filling your body with love. And this time I want you to send the love to someone you don't like at all. Just send them the love. Now turn to the feeling of warmth. Find that the body experiences warmth all over. Imagine the sun beating on your skin or sitting in a sauna, warm steam rising and filling the air with heat. Be hot, feel the heat. Warmth traveling throughout the body. Notice the calmness of your breath, the evenness of your breath. The long inhale and the long exhale. Eyes close softly as if you're falling asleep. Listen to the sound of my voice and let it relax you even deeper. Your body starts to feel light, like you're floating. Coming back to the mantra from the beginning, taking a deep breath in, I am worthy. Long exhale, inhale, I am loved, long exhale. One more inhale, drawing in the self-love, I am enough. And exhale, releasing anything that is no longer serving you, let it go. When you're ready, Bringing awareness back into your fingers and toes, wiggling your fingers and toes. And then slowly opening your eyes to close this simple meditation practice. Be sure to subscribe to Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. And I hope you'll join us again soon. Namaste.